everybody. Uh, before we start this episode, uh, we just wanted to take a quick moment um, to uh, pay tribute uh, to the to a a, a a man who passed away uh, very recently in the hockey world. Um, uh, a kid by the name of uh, Matisse Kivlenix, um, as you might have heard, um, Pat, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets prospect goalie. Uh, he passed away at the age of 24 um, in just a tragic accident in uh in michigan over the the last weekend um he was born he's um it's it's a really sad it was really sad seeing that news come in on monday morning it was just an absolutely tragic thing i'm not going to get into you know what it is i'm sure you can go because it's still ongoing like the what happened exactly uh is still a little bit out, up for uh is still up in the air uh because investigations are still going on and everything uh, basically just related mostly to an, an incident involving um, fireworks at a 4th of July celebration uh, that uh, Kip Lennox happened to be attending. Um, and yeah, it was, it, it's heartbreaking when anybody, you know, when anybody passes away. Uh, but, you know, when somebody passes away at such a young age and, you know, same age as me, really, um, and with so much potential, a lot of like whole future looking forward to look forward to. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking. Your heart goes out to like the family and everything. I mean, this is a kid, you know, he was born in Riga. He was the, the fifth Latvian goaltender to ever play in the NHL behind following some people like former Canucks, like Artur Zerbe, Peter Skudra. You have guys like Christos Goodlefkins and his own teammate, uh, Elvis Merzlikens, who, uh, who apparently he was living with, uh, during this, during the summer, him and, uh, Merzlikens and his wife, uh, they were, uh, Merzlikens referred to him as his little brother. Um, and you know, you feel so bad for his teammates, anybody who, um, anybody who had, you know, any sort of connection to the Blue Jackets organization and had a chance to, you know, interact with him. Apparently he was just a very nice kid. Um, he was, he was very close to becoming a full-time NHL goaltender. Like it wasn't, it wasn't that far off for him. He won his first game in the NHL a couple years ago against the Rangers, um, in Madison Square Garden, like that'll forever be his first, his biggest legacy in the NHL is playing in the world's largest and like the world's most famous arena and winning in his debut um, is incredible. And just recently he had led Latvia to um, a shutout, to a shutout victory over Canada in his hometown um, at the world championships, which is, which was stunning, like a stunning upset that had mostly to do with him and just how incredibly he had, had been in that. He was had so much to look forward to. And yeah, our, our heart goes out to his, his family um, back home in Latvia, um, his mom, especially, um, and uh, the entire, you know, the entire Blue Jackets organization, his family, his friends, everybody. Um, Cody, is, is, if there's anything you want to add here. Um, uh, the only thing I can really add is that the biggest takeaway from this is that uh, just, you know, Share share your love with your loved ones. I know I did after reading the news. Twenty four is way too young to go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let send your love to your family if you haven't. Um, you never know. Life is fleeting. Things yeah. can change at the drop of a hat. You never know when's going to happen, and you got to cherish every moment that you're alive and breathing because you never know when's going to be taken away from you or someone that you love. So, as someone who's recently lost a dear pet of mine, doesn't even register on the scale of losing a brother a uncle a cousin that like uh matisse kavlinix tough loss for the hockey world even harsher loss for the latvian hockey community and 
obviously, as you saw in the outpouring of support on Twitter, a brutal loss to the Columbus organization and the NHL community. So yeah. our hearts go out to him and everyone involved. And uh, yeah, love your families, yeah. folks. And uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. It's a lot of laughs, all things considered, uh, that's going on. And uh, we hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, shit just got real. The Habs have pushed it to a game six. Big game for um, that guy that scored and pushed it to a game six. Um, you don't usually see this a lot when a team goes down three nothing and comes back to you know at least force a game six. Like that's a big deal. Um, but it's a great day for Canadian hockey. A great day for Canadian sports fans. Just, just a great day in general if you're watching hockey because now the stakes are even higher. Um, the Habs um, only have Cody, to, yeah. Cody, uh, I'm gonna have to cut you off there. I'm actually hearing, according to my uh, my sources here, um, Tampa actually won. Uh, they actually they actually won Game Five. Uh, Montreal didn't they didn't score a goal. They actually lost the game. Oh God damn it! <laughs> um. I I uh, I know this is shocking. I know this uh, comes as a real surprise to you. I'm uh, I I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry that we had to spring that on you, Mitch. Show, uh, but that's uh that's uh that's just what I'm that's what I'm hearing. I'm I'm working on getting confirmation on that uh, right <laughs> okay. now. But uh, as of right now, Tampa has indeed won Game Five. Okay, and well, won that, the Stanley Cup for the second that, straight year. That tracks. To be honest, um, this is okay. So then I'm just gonna rewind a little bit uh redo oh, my sure. intro as they were oh, oh yeah as it were um oh yeah good morning or no yeah i guess good morning because you're listening to this in the morning probably yeah good morning on, your, on your drive to work or your afternoon you... break or whatever whatever you're doing we appreciate you for listening whenever during the day but some wonderful news if you're a canadian g or yeah a canadian gm named jim benning because tyler Toffoli has not won the stanley cup with the montreal canadians uh why why he dodged a bullet because i think it was there was like a good streak there where every single habs victory had tyler toffoli trending and because toffoli would start trending benning would start trending on twitter which is just amazing um eric angles reported in their the post game availability after the uh lightning win that Dominique Ducharme basically went through all of the injuries of the Habs players and Tyler Toffoli apparently was going through like a groin injury. So that's why he was like pretty much like a non-factor in the entire Tampa series and like the last like two or three games of the Vegas series. And you could see it like his like skating was like atrocious. Like he just could not pivot, didn't have any speed. Like he could like maybe get enough straightaway speed to maybe attack with the rush. But like otherwise after that, he just had nothing left to give. So sucks for him because he was having a tremendous playoffs. As I said, if you're trending after, after every single game and making an NHL executive look stupid by the virtue of just existing, that's a pretty good playoffs for you. Even if you lost in game five uh, on the road in a very close game, uh, game five was like, surprisingly very tight even though the first period and like most of the second was pretty much just a blowout by tampa at one point they were like up in shots 13 or 16 to 4 
it was like not even close. And then the Habs got, I think, one or two power plays. The first power play sucked, but after their second power play, it was like they realized they needed to actually score goals to not get eliminated. <laughs> and uh, we we know the result. It didn't work. They tried. They, they you know, tried. They really battled back valiantly, given they really had three players like doing anything for them in this series. Uh, tough break for them. Tough break for a lot of very likable players on that team. Shea Weber, Carey Price, Brendan Gallagher, Tyler Toffoli, Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki. Like they got a bunch of likable cats on that team. And you hate to see it. I'm sure Corey Perry, like they, you know, did you notice this on the broadcast? I think we were watching different ones, but as soon as the timer went off and they showed everyone celebrating, the first hab they focused on was Corey Perry. Corey Perry. Yeah. Because it was like back to back years. He's lost first time in six games, this time in five. This series wasn't really close, no matter how much they battled. And of course, Corey Perry, both teams on the losing side. And like speaking of people that had a good series, like he was pretty money for the Habs, like all playoffs. Like yeah. he tried. Like I said, yeah. it didn't work, but you know he tried. Like so, yeah. tough series. Uh, sorry for all the can- Canadians that listen to this show, and uh, we're hoping for Game Six at home at the Bell Center. Not going to happen this year, no. but for all of us who are kind of itching for the off season to begin, it's was the right result and it needed to happen Have you, because there's so much to get into. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm guessing you're not one of the people who have already, who are already like, all right, when's October? Let's get back. To, <laughs> let's get back to the regular season. Cause I'm already kind of there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm already, I'm already, I, I go through it every single, uh, of, been like every single Stanley Cup clincher game. Yeah. We're like right as after, like right as I'm seeing them circle the ice, holding the cup. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, this is thank God, scene's over. But then I'm also like, oh, but no mm-hmm. hockey. But but no hockey yeah. <laughs> the next three months. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I mean, come back. I'm ready. <laughs> a part of me is like, I I really want like I'm about like the like the managerial side, like I'm really fascinated by like the cat management, the maneuvers, the trades, like what teams do to make themselves better next year or like get around like their current issues. And like, I have zero, I am so interested in what Benning and Wisebrod and company decide to do to try and improve their decor, get their two best players signed, prepare an expansion draft, prepare an entry draft with only like $15 million. That's yeah. really interesting to me because of how much they have to navigate in like two months. I have zero interest in watching them play though. <laughs> because I mean, it's not going to be pretty given yeah. what I just said. They have $15 million maybe to make their team better, which is an impossible task for a team that just finished dead last in the Canadian North division. Like, yeah. interestingly enough, we'll get into this topic later, but one of the teams that a certain player just demanded a trade away from also has 15 to $17 million in cap space. But if you look at the players that are actually signed to 
the same quality of, con- of their of their contract situation yes. is a lot better. It's not about the number as much as it is about the what do you have already of, like locked mm-hmm. in. It's yeah. it's never it's never about the actual dollars and cents. Yeah. Like it's you're always gonna find your team is unless you're like a team like say Ottawa that's trying that's either like purposely is staying on the cheaper side, building yeah. through the draft and developing. They're not and no, they're not gonna be necessarily incredible. Every yeah. team is gonna be close to that, to that cap, to that cap ceiling. Yeah. So it's all it's always about, you know, what is the quality of your team? And yeah. I mean, if you want to bring it, if you want, I mean, this is, this episode's really mostly going to be a, you know, a salute to Tampa, to the Tampa Bay Lightning, because I mean, yes. they're back-to-back champions. Yeah. And a lot of that is due to the fact that they're so good at managing their cap situation to the point where they're able to keep players uh, under, on their roster that, uh, and expand their roster base way over the existing yes. cap space. And I know we've joked, like, again, we do, I mean, I feel like we talk about this pretty frequently, especially just during the playoffs, how, you know, the running joke is that, oh, they cheated and that they circum- <laughs> yeah. cap circumvention. Like, ma- like if you're not cheating, the, you're wi- you're not winning. A little, a, a, a little bit. Yes, a little bit. Um, because, like, here's the thing. It's not, in the, like, what they, none thing that they did is against the rules. Like, yeah. and if, and the rules that they used to that they ex- exploited to mm-hmm. uh, give them those, that extra cap room essentially yeah. um, is, has been there forever. And teams like yeah. the Canucks, including like the Canucks have, have used it to their own benefit many times before, like lots yeah. of teams have done it. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's, it's, this is not just Tampa figure. This is, this is not so much Tampa just figuring it out as m- that it existed so much as they're the ones like using it to the best possible potential to the most potential yeah and now you have a team that you know at the beginning of the playoffs was coming in as the fourth seed in their division playing okay but not necessarily or sorry i guess third my bad third in their division but not necessarily you know blowing anybody away uh after having won a stanley cup um they go up against a, a florida panthers team that's doing pretty darn well yeah. Uh, at the time, having one of their best seasons in recent memory. And from there on, the Lightning, you know, they got back Kucherov, they got back Stamkos, and they were off. Like, they were just off and running. Yeah. There was never really a point for me where it really looked like they were in trouble. Like, even when you yeah. get into the Islanders series that got pushed to a Game 7, there wasn't any single point in that series where I was straight up worried they were going to lose it or blow it. They they felt like they had it. And this and that's yeah. really different from Lightning teams in the past. Like you go back to like 3 years ago, they got swept in the first round of the playoffs after winning the President's Trophy. Yeah. And you know, there were a lot of people at the time and I I'm I'm pretty sure I had this. I'm pretty sure I had this this take at the time where um, you know, you all, you're never going to win with this group. Like clearly this team is busted. There is busted inter ment- mentally. You're never going to win with this group. It's time to move on kind of thing. Um, and they didn't, they didn't. <laughs> and now look at them. They won two in a row. So, you know, what do I know? But at the end, and it's, they've, they've done a very good job. Like they built such a great team and you can only hope that the Canucks, that the Canucks and, Frankly, just about any other team in the league looks at how they got to that successful level, how they got to that level, and 
try to find their own version of it, not emulate it, because a, a, a lot of teams, they should be. Well, so well, okay. I mean, the reason I'm saying not emulate it is because I think a lot of teams, and this is in in all sports really. Uh, whenever a team wins, they basically take the team. Other teams take the cliff notes of why yeah. it worked, and not the whole foundational reason why like they don't take the full they don't they don't take the full binder they take like a like a chapter yeah. or a page out and think this is our key this is the key to success yeah. and then they get inferior versions of it they get inferior models of it um so for the canucks and for other teams what they should really be doing is trying to find their own version of why tampa worked and how do they how do you essentially make a Vancouver version of that without just, you know, ripping out the notes of this is what, this is how they won right down to like, you know, the, like who was playing on line three and line four, you gotta, you gotta find your own path to that foundational success. And I guess the other thing just to bring up is the fact, like you, you, you mentioned the injuries and all the, the injuries to everybody on the Canadians. And like, there was the whole, uh, Alex Kalorn telling Kyle Bukaskis that he broke his fibula and had, had surgery last week to put in a rod and then played. And then yeah. I believe played on it or no, he didn't. He he missed the last couple games. He, he, missed the last he practiced games. on it apparently because they made Which a point is, about, they were discussing about how like they, they were playing in Montreal, like a few blocks away from like his high school growing up. And so apparently, like while they were there, he practiced at his high school rink or something like that. Which, I mean, we don't really have time to get into medical staff and their uh, duty of care. <laughs> I don't yeah, know that's, if uh, uh, that's that that's that's. That, I think I'm sure Roxy Fever. Uh, we'll get to that at some point. Uh, that feels like their territory. That, yes. yes. Um, but um, quickly, quickly back to your 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 point about the whole emulating. Uh, previous teams models and just taking the cliff notes uh one of the hosts or sorry the main host of roxy fever jackson mcdonald was on his other podcast controlled entries had a wonderful episode it's like their most recent or their second most recent episode where they basically talk about this entire thing about how the canucks have been chasing the bruins model since 2011 and because of it they've been losing game seven against the bruins for the last 10 years and they haven't seem to get over it yep. which is true because i mean after last after last season's playoffs in the bubble how many people like i remember this vividly how many people were like the lightning won because they played big boy hockey just like the blues did and it was like how was that your takeaway like yeah. all of their like their wins came from undersized players with speed uh scoring and dominating with possession at 5v5 as well as having a legitimate elite number one goalie yeah and, somebody had the but list because somebody but had because the they list. had some big guys that block shots the main takeaway for some gms and a lot of prominent media members were they're playing big boy hockey the right way it's meant to be played and it's like you can definitely tell people are gonna say that about this year's cup winning uh, Tampa Bay Lightning because of that Barclay Goodrow block on Shea Weber. They're going to completely ignore the fact that Kucherov and Andre Palat and Braden Point and like Ross Colton, this child, uh, helped score their way 
to you know a finals and made it look completely easy they're gonna be like oh well pat maroon won three times in a row and he's big therefore you need big boys on your team to yep. to do big boy stuff and it's like you're missing no. the point a bit yeah yeah uh, like i think i mean i do yeah. i don't have the actual stats but it was like Steven Samkos, the way he was deployed at 5v5, his minutes were actually more of a third-line forward than he was a first-line forward, which mm-hmm. is all you need to know about depth in an organization and how you can build a team to have a perfect mix of guys that are big, but also guys that are fast, undersized, and can score, and more importantly, control play. And that should be the real takeaway, is that you need to build a team with enough scoring and enough speed in your lineup that a guy like Steven Stamkos, who is a number one forward eating the most 5v5 minutes on any other team in the league, can play third-line minutes so that Yanni Gord can play first-line minutes. Like That's how insanely deep they are and how much depth scoring they have that they can do that kind of crap. It's insane. Yeah. People were... like And... This kind of tie this this maybe doesn't tie so much into into uh to Foley uh now just because of the injury stuff, but like yeah. one of the arguments you could also make, like and why the, the Canadians didn't like weren't gonna win, weren't mm-hmm. able to win, is just because they like, yeah, they have Josh Anderson, they have Cole Caulfield, they have Nick Suzuki, they have a lot of great players, but they don't have enough that but they can't um they can't just let them go out there and dominate because yeah. they're always going to be able, the lightning are always, we're always going to be able to match them at that tempo. And we're going to be able to, you know, uh, uh, give them more, t- more, give them more attention yeah. than, you know, say a team that's a little bit less deep on their, on their yeah. roster. Right. And yeah, like it's, and then as when you throw in all the injuries and everything uh, yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't, it, just, it doesn't, it doesn't help. No, you can like, the, you can like run it, into that luck, but it, it oh, yeah. with injury. like, I mean, the Canucks in 2011 famously ran into yeah. just at the worst time possible, <laughs> the worst luck when it came to injuries. Like, yeah. I will never forget the fact that the only defenseman that played the entire uh, 2011 playoffs for the Canucks was Sammy Sallow, famously the guy who almost always gets hurt. He was yeah, the only defenseman that, that is the whole thing. And it was wild. Um, and now and now you look at the way, you know, you look at the Canadians who played through a lot. Like and it showed at and it showed from time to time. Like they have nothing they they have to you hold your heads high regardless of how you did. Like they're not mm. a they didn't go out a slouch here. Yeah. Um but you know just just like this, this, this isn't so much like a, this is not a, I promise this is not a try it, please like my sport kind of thing here, but I'm just like specifically cause I'm going to try and I'm going to bring, bring it out to all sports here where like, when you talk about like the whole, the injury stuff and everything, I'm yeah. just like, a, hi, like high profile, like high performance athletes are just another breed. Like they're just wild. Um, it's they're they are they're kind of freaks. Yes, yeah. like it, I, I I always think back to like there's this there's this whole sponge there's this SpongeBob quote I remember where like he's that basically I think represents everyone else where like who isn't like a high performance athlete where it's like you know I'll have you know that I stubbed my toe last week while watering my spice garden and I only cried for twenty minutes like that and the, <laughs> at the end of the day like all us normal people we want to get into the salty splatoon like the uh 
like the like the high performance athletes of the NHL, the MLB, running everything. But uh, the the best we will ever hope for is Weenie Hut Juniors. I do not understand the reference, but I'm gonna God, you, be like, you're yes, old. Okay. God, you're so old. Yeah, dude, I'm not, not absolute. Uh, ren- I'm talking classic Renaissance SpongeBob. How dare you? Like I was like Golden 18 age. by the time SpongeBob like took off. All right. God. Actually, that's not true. That shows like was around for like ages wasn't it, it like, it's still on it's still it's, it's still really making, oh shit okay boy it has been making episodes from since 1999 and still going it is yeah it's oh, Simpsons. Okay. it's it's the it's the kids version of the simpsons like it will never I, end i've heard though that like spongebob started as like a kid show and then at some point after like 10 years it became like more adult oriented like humor that's what it, i've heard it's a little bit of a so I almost think I almost would say it's actually kind of went. it's kind of it's kind of flipped. Like, I think the initial episodes were a little bit more. There were more like, here's some a little a little bit of like a sneaky adult joke here and there. Like it was a little bit more everybody could watch. But then it got a lot more. It got way more cartoony and went downhill as it went. So the show got less funny for anybody. But it also kind of turned into like a family guy kind of thing where there's a lot of gross out humor and a lot of like I was gonna say, does, it, does it turn it into got, like it's like for stoners or something uh, like you get really high and laugh at I the voices you know what, I that's, what it, that's the vibe i get i have not watched any of the recent episodes of spongebob because i heard it was so bad i probably oh, okay. would watch it i am a cartoon guy i would i i probably would have watched it but i heard they got just so bad that i stopped watch that i never really went back to look for them yeah. Um, but apparently at one point it did kind of start rebounding and getting a little bit good again because they brought okay. back a lot of original writers and stuff. Um, but who knows? Okay. Who knows? Um, I've been fooled by that before because yeah. like the Simpsons movie, I remember when they announced it, they were like, oh, the Simpsons movie, it's going to be great. They've uh, brought good. back. They, the movie was good. How dare it's you? The movie, the movie was fine. The movie no, because it turns good. this, it turns the lovable Simpson family to a bunch of assholes to the town. That sucks. They were always that. They were always no. that. Yeah, but not to the extent where the whole town is forming a lynch mob and trying to murder them all, and they have to leave. Like that's that's kind of shitty. I mean, and they, they're not in Springfield for most of the movie. Like that sucks. Uh, but anyway, this is a massive tangent. That, but anyway, but, you know, the you point know, like, was. They said the Simpson movie was going to be good because they brought back like most of the writing staff from like the prime years. And then the movie actually came out and it's just like completely average. And it was like, you you fucking liars. I don't think it was. I think it was better than average. Like it wasn't great. It wasn't. It wasn't. But you were born or anything. But you were born like seven years ago. So, of course, it's good for you. If you grew up with the Simpsons in the 90s. I've seen. How dare you? I've seen every single. I've seen pretty much every single episode. It's not the same, you child. Okay. Like, look, we can talk about we can talk about franchises that have, you know, been around for years and have been kind of doing the same thing over overstayed their welcome from time to time and running on the same model for as long as they can. But enough about the Canucks. We're, you know, Montreal has done, you know, Montreal, I think we've given some we've given some, I don't want to say uh, I don't even know if crap's the right word because I think I mean maybe I have crap though, because they play well. Oh, I'm not, I'm talking about us. Like I'm talking about in the past. Like, I think there were definitely, there was a long stretch where I remember just anytime Mark Bergevin did anything with the Canadians, I was like, what are you doing? Like, where's the logic? What is like, how, 
like I have no idea how you came to this conclusion that this was a good idea. Well, um, hmm. and now you fast forward to now, like they're still not like again, they're not world beaters. Like they got to the playoffs with, you know, the the same way that every team does. Like nobody gets into the cup final by fluke, but it does take a little bit of luck. It takes a bit of luck. It takes having the right people in the right place at the right time kind of thing. It is a bit of a, you know, lightning in a bottle, catching lightning in a bottle sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for to their credit, um, they played exceptionally well. Like they did as best I think they could have done against Tampa. I didn't I thought they might actually I mean, you and I thought they might win. Like we we honestly yeah, thought they le- might win. We the legitimately top. thought they would have had a chance because Vegas had looked so good against the Avs that it was yeah. kind of like if they can shut them down at five v five and neutralize their power play, then oh man, Tampa's going to be in trouble if if Montreal like is hanging run. at five v five with Vegas, who are just like a wrecking ball, then this could be a really close series. I had yeah. an infamous tweet where I had said Habs in five. You had, um, you had multiple infamous. You had a well, you had quite the postseason. It was I, quite the postseason for Cody. I realized after that because I was trying to do a lot of reverse jinxing, and so I should have said Tampa in five, which yeah. actually is kind of what happened. I got the reverse of Habs in five. It was you, actually Tampa. You in five. got exactly what got, you asked. I got for, exactly really. what I asked for through my jinx, but um, just as like a comparable like to like the Canucks in like, cause of course this is a Canucks podcast. And unfortunately we have to talk about them uh, from time to time. But when the Canucks played the golden Knights, they got completely shelled at five V five and were basically kept in it by a goaltender playing a, out of his mind. Would you like to talk about the goaltending and how important it is? I don't know if you're a goalie. Yes. Guy, but uh, yes. I, I, I dabble. I've dabbled in it from time to time. I'm going to talk about controlled entries again here for a second, but uh, like shout out, shout out to them because they're like it's Reese Jessup, it's Garrett uh, Garrett Hole, and uh, Jackson McDonald, and they're very funny and very analytical. And it's very smart stuff. They have a funny joke when they're talking about the Vegas and Canucks series because they're like, um, if you want any perspective on how bad the Canucks did against Vegas, they got 985 save percentage out of a goaltender and still lost. That's how bad they did. And it's true because they were literally held in there by goaltending and the Habs, they had the goaltending and they had the depth scoring. It wasn't, I would say like, honestly, the scoring between this current Habs lineup and the uh, Canucks lineup that took Vegas to game seven is pretty comparable the yeah. difference is, though, that Canucks lineup could not control play at 5v5 to save their lives. Their PK was garbage because of how old and slow the, the players were on that unit. The Habs have, like, Joel Armia and Tyler Toffoli killing penalties, and Joel Armia had, like, five goals for them in the playoffs. Like, that is what you need. You need players who can contribute in, like, these inopportune moments. And so because of that, of course, they managed to beat Vegas and get themselves to Tampa and give a a false sense of hope to people like you and myself who were like, oh, (laughs) they did that against Vegas, which is really hard to do. Time for an unexpected winner. Time for a a Cinderella team to to lift the cup. But Um, it it was kind of like we were saying earlier, like Tampa's biggest like threat was the Islanders 
And in their game seven against the Islanders, it was just like, oh, right. These guys just won the cup. They know how to win. It was just not even close that entire time. I think the games, like the first game against the Habs, like it was complete destruction. Game two and three were actually pretty close from the Habs perspective. They just couldn't get a goal past Vasilevsky, who I'm sure we'll get into when we discuss the Conn Smythe voting. But it was a lot closer than I think most people expected, which made it kind of interesting. But I mean, we can turn the page now and look to the offseason, which is going to be wild for the next 10 days. Yeah. Insanely wild. We had a couple news breaks during tonight's game, which was so, so amazing. Like, I don't usually when, um, like, just to uh, peel back the sausage bit, show how the sausage is made. Um, whenever we're doing an episode, we'll kind of be messaging each other, like, during the game or, like, whatever, like, any pieces of news that gets dropped on Twitter or NHL.com or whatever. We're just, like, constantly messaging each other stuff that we can possibly talk about. And our chat was blowing up because the first period, it's like, you know, there's people injured. Uh, Cabs are looking like crap. They're getting destroyed, but it's zero, zero. And then like out of nowhere, uh, Jeremy Rutherford of the athletic is just like, Oh yeah. Vlad Tarasenko wants a trade out of St. Louis. And it just like blew up all over Twitter, which was so funny. What a what a time! What, that that's uh yeah. that's a that's great uh uh what is except it's not really in this case because like this is it's I mean it's perfect timing that's a yeah. great it, it's a great it's, time to drop like this huge news nugget it's just bombshell like, by the way this guy really wants out of this team on on uh, the night so yeah so after tonight at twelve oh one a.m. the buyout window opens for the NHL so it's like perfect timing to be like, oh, St. Louis, figure out what you want to do with your buyouts because I want the fuck out of here, Yeah, which is so spicy and juicy because after that, the roster freeze is in like 10 days or something like that, eight days, and then it's the like expansion draft. (laughs) Like they have so much to figure out in 10 days. Yeah, it might even be because well, are they moving up the draft, the expansion draft, and everything? Because um, yeah, technically, it happens, I believe like, really quick. Because technically, that wasn't. I don't think that was supposed to happen until at least uh, late uh, July. I think that was supposed to be like the second to last week of July. Is mm. supposed to be like the, when that hits. But maybe they're moving it up because the series ended earlier. It has to be, yeah. But yeah, I don't even know because technically, even if even if the Habs had somehow managed to come all the way back and push it to a yeah. game seven, that would have been just Saturday. So yeah. who knows? Um, but uh, like, yeah, the, the, the Tarasenko thing is going to be interesting. I, I look forward to seeing him in a golden Knights Jersey next year. Cause I'm <laughs> sure that's where he's going um, either there or, um, or Tampa or Tampa is going to find a way to get it done. I did see somebody suggest that maybe Montreal would try and go for that sort of thing. Might try and jump at that. Um, there are, there are, there are lots of options on the table. Tarasenko is a very good player. Um, yeah. I guess before we get into that though, uh, before we fully jump into that, uh, did you sure. want to do the con Smythe stuff just really quick? Um, yeah, let's do it because yeah, let's finish off the cup final stuff. Yeah. Uh, before- if you don't know, uh, they gave, they awarded it for, for whatever reasons, like NHL award voting is so weird, but they wait until the second period is over to cast their ballots for who they believe should win the con Smythe. Um, 
The winner Very was weird. the Lightning's goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky. I, I don't really care. <laughs> I think it could have been I could it could have been Vasilevsky, it could have been Kucherov. I, I would have been like, yeah, great. They both yep. had a great case for it. I think Vasilevsky looked a little rough in the Florida series, and I think that gets kind of forgotten a bit. Like there were some really high scoring games where he did not look that hot, but he played what was it, 26 games straight, no break. Played every single game. Still had like a pretty really solid save percentage, like typical stuff, you know, high expected goals against, but like even lower actual goals against. Like, dude was out of his mind. But Kucherov, like nine points more than the next highest player. And that includes like his own line mates. <laughs> yeah. In the second, like the next 20 best guy games playing. Yeah. It's insane. It was a 32 points in 22 games. Like that so, is Connor ridiculous. Levels, basically. Yeah. It's like, man. Yeah, Wouldn't you love to have that kind of guy on your team out of nowhere in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to be like, wouldn't you love to have Connor McDavid in the finals? And I'd be like, yes, that would be good for the sport if he went there, but he never went. <laughs> Man. Jeez. Like, um, I, um, I was looking at, okay, so like to complete side note, after the game, I was going through like the um, the elite prospects page for the Lightning and just seeing which, which these guys have now won two cups in a row. And I'm just like, man. Lots. Luke Shen has two cups now. Pat Maroon has three Luke in a row. Yeah. yeah, Luke Shen was completely fine. Like I he loved him as chasing, a he, he was great. He picked the perfect team to go to for his cup chasing. Like that is can we talk absolutely about, uh, brilliant. Can we talk about Curtis McElhaney getting just oh, the yeah. best <laughs> the front row run. seat to? Uh, a second straight championship like yeah, good for him or, i guess not i guess not, no because he wasn't the was he wasn't the backup last year was he uh because he would have been uh, uh yeah he was, wasn't he was he um, i think he was um, i don't think he played any games though you're you're oh yeah you're right he yeah. did play he was uh he was the, yeah he signed a two-year contract with the lightning <laughs> and got <laughs> two cups out of it <laughs> um, like what a what a run for my guy like, on that on that note actually because like yeah McElhaney, like if you're playing behind vasilevsky you know your role you're basically there to like warm the guys up in practice you have no actual games right but you're there uh, to get a free ticket to a championship like good for you <laughs> go uh, you get paid. Sorry, correction. You get paid like one point three million to to sit and watch yeah, a Stanley Cup that, run. That rocks. Like the that dream. is and your name's on the cup twice in a row. Like you dude, get the rings. You get the day with the dream. cup. You yeah. get everything that all the other players did. You get paid uh, for your trouble, and all you had to do was sit in the bench and be moral support. What a what a what a guy. What a legend. Yeah. Uh, on the note of like players that didn't actually like play games or whatever, like uh, Kyle, Bu- how do you pronounce it? Bukowskis? Kyle Bukowskis. Yeah. Bukowskis. Bukowskis. Okay. So he had his interview with Matthew Joseph who won the cup with Tampa last year, but he didn't actually suit up in any games and he played mm-hmm. five games this year for Tampa in and their some cup of the finals, including, including yeah, some in the final as well. And it's like, he played great. Like he would probably be a he second awesome. line forward on the Canucks. Like he's, he po- he's, he he's legitimately good. And yeah. he had points. Like he had, two or three or something in five games Some like very good setups like there were a couple yeah like, i think two of his I, like two of his points were incredible were like really yeah they're well like legit 
great passes, but he said in his interview after swearing and complimenting, oh God, I, I hate this, Bukowskis, Kyle Bukowskis, Bukowskis, he compliments the suit and he's like, it's a great fucking suit. Like in the middle of his TV interview on NBC. And then he's like, I love oh, it. Uh, great suit, I mean. And then he fin- he basically talks in the whole time about how, you know, it's so much better to have been able to like to actually contribute via games and not just like kind of be on the bench or on the taxi squad, but to actually like help the team win. And he's like, you know, last season I was mostly an emotional support guy. That was kind of my role. And I really tried to cheer the guys up because it was tough being in the bubble, but this year to actually contribute on ice and like prove that I can do it. Like this was a way bigger win for him than it was last year. Oh, and yeah. I'm sure McElhaney's like, I yeah, would love to play. Like, I'm, but I'm, I, I'm obviously but I like, I, I'm obviously mostly kidding. Like, yeah, it's, but you, you want to play like you, yeah. you don't yeah. get to the NHL. You, like, yeah, the rare few do, but like yeah. generally you don't make it to the NHL unless you want to be playing hockey, like every yeah. single night and you enjoy it with uh, a burning passion. There yeah. was that one question that kind of uh, went around Twitter a couple, a few days ago that actually I think would be interesting to ask here um, is um, um, there was the question of, I think, I think Drancer was the one who actually uh, put this out. There was the question of, uh, and this was in relation to Pat Maroon. Would oh, you rather yeah. have? Would you rather have? I think it was uh, thirty million dollars over million. your career, or ten million and like Win your name on the cup or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. You got you got you got as many cups as Maroon for ten million dollars, or get like twenty five, thirty million dollars and no Stanley Cups. Um, yeah. um, I guess like I'll ask you like so like where would you stand on if you were if you were in that situation? Where are you going? Oh, I, I would go 10 mil and three cups without a doubt. Yeah. Like, same here. 30 mil, like, whatever. Like, that's great. But, like, if you can actually have, like, a legacy outside of just, like, handing down cash to your kids as you grow up, like, you can yeah. be like, hey, kids, check out the Hockey Hall of Fame or whatever. My ring is going to be in there with my your dad's name on it three times in a row. That's yeah. pretty damn cool. Yeah, I agree. I th- I'll say this. I don't think there is a wrong answer. I saw a lot of people trying to be like, you're wrong for how dare you like, or being like, you know, you would take the money in the, in the situation or like, even like like some people going the high roading, like you take 30 mil. That's a lifetime. It's like, you know, it's also a lifetime, $10 million. (laughs) Yeah. I can live on. Yeah. I I, I can do, I I can do just fine off $10 million. Thank you. And also like, here's the thing. When you're like, if you really want to make this about money, you know how much money you make as high. I'm Stanley Cup champion, yeah. insert name here. Like, you can Look make money broadcast. off of that alone. Look yeah. at the NHL broadcast and how many guys are just there because they've won cups in the past. Yeah. You can, that's easily, all it takes. Yeah. You can easily make that money back. And yeah, for me, it's the exact same way. Like, especially just because, you know, like, even in my lifetime, like in my lifetime, I've obviously never played anywhere close to the NHL. Like, <laughs> I don't know. If I you think that. about it, if you think about it, though, you're close. You were technically closer I'm- than like 98 percent of the player base because you played div whatever hockey division. I don't I don't I don't think so. I don't I think you're over. If you I think, think you're un- okay. overest- underestimating how many people play division three hockey. I understand. Um, that. But if you yeah. think if you think like it's like the bell curve, right? Like the actual like hockey player base is like nine, the 99 yes, percent. Right? Like, if you if you if you took the entire global population. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm in the one percent of you're people. basically there. 
I'm basically there. Sure. Yeah, if you, we really want to fudge the numbers. If we're actually if we're going on the bell curve here, you're closer <laughs> to the NHL than I am. So Okay, yes, sure. Pat yourself on the back, buddy. Come okay, on. Okay, yeah, okay. Thank you. you I go. will. You know what? I will. I yeah. I've earned it. And plus um, you're a goaltender. Here's the other I'm thing. There's not that yeah. many goaltenders, there's, so technically you're goalies. way closer. Yeah, way you're closer right, to the NHL right. than most people. <laughs> so um and don't be so hard on yourself. You're you're right. Um, but I'll say this that they're like, even though I never got like close to playing in the in the NHL or like playing for like a serious like championship of some kind, right? Yeah. There are still like 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 minor hockey banners or championships or tournaments that I did not win and that my team didn't or that my team didn't win that still to this day haunt me. Like I still have like there will still be moments that I'm just like, damn it, if we just made that like if that what if I hadn't missed that one shot or if I had played that rebound differently, it happens all the time where I'm just yeah. like, God damn it. Like I, I think about it and it still <laughs> makes me mad that I lost. And from a personal standpoint, I was always, I'm always just like I would so rather take less money to win the championship because i know if i didn't i would never feel satisfied like that it would just be me sitting like if i took the money it would just be me sitting in a huge house but i'd still be just lamenting over the fact that i never won a championship like that would be it i would never be able to enjoy that money because i would never have been i would never be able to get over the fact that i had lost the trope like a, a stanley cup like it just it would it would kill me um uh, how would you feel though if um you you get to the cup final you you play pretty good you're like you're really damn good you may have had a rough start to your season but like a teammate of yours who was on vacation for most of the year he comes to the finals he scores like above a point per game and he's unreal and he gets mad at you because you won the the playoff mvp trophy and he didn't how would you feel about that well, first of all, I'd say Nikita, you <laughs> you you won two Stanley Cups and you're making like 10 million dollars at the same time. Get over yourself. Uh if he did do that, I don't think he did. I I I would be I would be stunned if Nikita Kucherov was like like banging down uh Andre Vasilevsky's door yelling at him for uh stealing his con smythe. That would be very funny, but As- like <laughs> As another complete tangent again, did you see how like miserable Mikhail Sergachev was through the entire celebration? No, I didn't. I, I don't did know if anyone tweeted about this, but like he looked like he could give two shits that he just won the cup. Like <laughs> he does his lap and he's just like completely stone faced. Maybe he's like a stone faced guy or something, but like he hands he the might, cup. Yeah. To, he hands the cup to Sorelli, and like you know how they always like give each other hugs, like resting yeah, game. Fucking resting right. game face yeah but like he hands the cup to sorelli doesn't even like ha- like give him a back pat he just like spins and he's like dead face <laughs> it is so bizarre like uh, i'm know, sure I, someone tweeted about it like where they're just like is mikhail shirkachev okay he seems so sad yeah that'd be my first question just like i would be like oh my god like that he the hopefully he didn't find out any like bad news, bad news. like like today or something where he's like I don't know. Who knows? Um, he, looked at, he looked at the cap hit. He looked at cap friendly on the bench and was like, oh, no, this is the last cup I'll probably win with this team. Actually, we can get into that after uh, our after eventual we... final cons Smythe discussion. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I know this... you have opinions. We yes, keep... I have opinions. Yes. Um, and then we'll go into, and I mean, we were supposed to talk about about Tarasenko a while ago. Oh, yeah. But, get, yeah, um, get your, get your cons Smythe opinions well, out, and then we'll, uh, we'll you wrap, all... loop around. 
you all signed up for this episode knowing this was going to be a bit of a wonky one because yeah. it's you know the, the last one to end actual hockey season and yeah. just so much going on you you knew what you were going to get today um and i think you're getting us at our best really um look I do like so many people like Dom decision, I think was the one who really trumpeting the whole why Kucherov deserved to win uh, the con Smythe. And he, like, literally he talked about how, you know, you mentioned the nine point lead. He is the only player to not only is that just like huge on its own. It's the fact that he is the only player to do that beside that isn't named Wayne Gretzky who did it twice and Mario Lemieux who did it once. Like, that's wild. Like, that's incredible. Like, that, the fact that he was able to put up that many points is incredible. Yeah. And there are a lot of, uh, like I said on Twitter, a lot of much smarter people than me will tell you why Kucherov deserved to win. That being <laughs> said, I think that Vasilevsky was the correct choice because here's the thing. He, he, like, what, what was the one thing I kept saying throughout these playoffs is that what this change like this completely changed the way that I look at the Lightning, based on the fact that they weren't all, that there were a lot of games during these playoffs where they were not the better team, lots of them. Not so much during the final; they were generally the they were pretty much the better team in every game except for maybe one in those in that in that uh, in the Cup final game two being like the outlier um, for me. That's a whereas in but in the first three rounds, there were a lot of games where they were clearly getting outplayed, they were getting out checked, and they were just being opportunistic. And yeah, yeah. just a skill within itself. Florida series. Don't, don't kid your, yeah, yeah. Don't kid yourself. That's 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 a skill. Like that's yeah. not me taking away from the fact that they're not that they're a good hockey team. It's just the fact that uh there were a lot of games where other teams were dominating them in the shot in total, in the shot totals, in controlling the actual play and possession of the game and the lightning were just when they got their opportunities they are so good that they were just striking at the right time but for that to work you have to have incredible goaltending and andre vasilevsky was amazing i for a long time thought it's kind of weird that he kept getting nominated for vesna trophies because i felt like well, he's playing in front of the best team in the league one of the best defenses like right. that that's got to help you this and then you watch them play yeah. And then you watch them play more seriously and on a regular basis. It completely yeah. changed the way I look at the Lightning. Whereas they're a very, they're not an, um, they're not a one goalie getting a goalie getting buoyed by a very good team. They're a pretty darn good team getting buoyed by an elite goaltender. Without Andre Vasilevsky, they do not even make the final. Like it doesn't matter how many points Kucherov gets because they're just McElhaney. Curtis McElhaney, though. 38 years um, old. He, he might add it. He might. I mean, hey, he he got the Hurricanes to a sweep of the Islanders a couple of years ago. Why yeah. not? Um, um, I think my, it was – I think Vasilevsky, without him, they don't get to the final. They don't even get here. So I think the fact that he won uh, – that he won was the right call. Uh, I, I would have picked Kucherov for this, for this one reason and this one reason only. In his post-game availability – he showed up shirtless and then he, <laughs> then he rolled off this quote, which I will read to you in full. Oh my God. I'm excited for this. I don't know. This, what this is, is as reported by Chris Johnson. Um, Nikita Kucherov bracket quotes. The fans in Montreal acted like they won the Stanley cup last game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Their final was last round. <laughs> wow. Damn. 
Jeez. Um, okay. So he's never twist he's the never, knife, bro. Jeez, like that rocks so hard. And does actually, it though? He you had just another one. Why are you focusing on the Canadian? Why are you focusing on the Montreal fans literally right after you just won a Stan- your a Stanley Cup? Like they probably maybe asked you're him, right. Like, maybe he is salty about that Smite. Hey, might be. Uh, maybe he's just he going say, after. Him. He did say to to benefit your um uh your statement on why Vasilevsky was deserving. Kucherov also said if he played in a different market, he would win the Vesna every year. Which, I mean, if he was in Toronto, you would it would be obnoxious how much you'd hear about Vasilevsky and how he was saving Canadian hockey. <laughs> like, I mean, hell, be... the lightning. I mean, if he was on the Leafs, they probably make it past round one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but just, I'm just saying that he probably bum, steals bum, bum, one bum. there. Like that's the, I mean, they're not. He's he's not wrong. Kucherov is not yeah. wrong. Um, so, yeah. So fan question. Um, this comes from Sanj Sanj Bain. Sorry if I'm pron- mispronouncing that, dude. Um, at Sanjbot on Twitter, what are the odds of a Bolts three-peat? Honestly, that is, that's a great question. It's a great question. It, it, it feels kind of like, like a silly question, like on yeah. the surface, but it's actually a really good one because I mean, we never, we rarely get back-to-back championships anymore, like in hockey. Cause it's yeah. so the parody level is so well balanced. Yeah, the Penguins so well doing it was like, Oh my God, this will never happen again. And yeah, then- like, the lightning then, just were like, no, hold our beer. We got this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Great question. I'm, I'm kind of of the mindset, like I, I'm aware of the kind of cap problems that they're facing right now. But the other part of me is like, they had no problem this year. They found a way. And this is a team, a GM that always finds a way. The expansion draft's going to take away a good player on a pretty decent ticket. And once that happens, they're just going to refill the bottom of their lineup with someone from their AHL team, and they're going to be perfectly good. There's a kid on their team, Taylor Radish. There's Boris Kachuk, who was, who were both incredible for their AHL team in a very watered-down season. So I have no doubt in my mind they are going to get games out of them. Or Alex Boulay. They're just like Cal they're. Fox. They're such a well-oiled machine, man, that they're like whoever they lose in this offseason, like next man up mentality where it doesn't matter. They've got a system that works and the core that they have is still mostly intact. They still have Hedman, Sergachev, Ryan McDenna probably isn't going to go anywhere. Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky. I think we were saying this in the, la- the last episode or the episode before we are like, Vasilevsky is only like 24 years old or 26 years old or something he's like that. Tw- like he's, he's 26 and signed for seven more years after this. Yeah, that is. He's a, got a lot of prime goaltending still. Left they're still going to be contending so long as they have Vasilevsky on their team, barring some kind of monumental fall off, which I don't think will ever happen with his game playing behind a team like that. Like that's, it's, it's just, just not going to happen. I would say the odds of a three-peat are very high. I would not be shocked if they did it. I would at least, I, you know, getting deep in next year's playoffs. That's fair. I I would not be shocked if they did it, but I don't think they. I'm gonna say no. They they won't uh, because like next year, here the one thing that 
through this kind of out of whack, this one playoff, and I'm, again, like, I swear to God, I am not putting an asterisk on the fact that they won at all. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not an asterisk on the fact that they won at all. But next year, we go back to the regular divisions. It's going to be a little bit more of a normal schedule. It's going to be a normal 82-game schedule. It's going to be um, – it's and the playoffs are going to go back to the way they're normally seated and divisions that are normally placed the way they, they are. Right. And from that, it's going to – probably make think make it a little easier for other teams to come out and surprise and maybe play a little bit of a and get a little bit farther in the playoffs because this year injuries decimated a lot of teams uh because of just how much hockey they were playing in such a short yeah. amount of time COVID, or COVID outbreaks or yeah. COVID outbreaks as, as well yes um next year things are going to be probably as close to normal in a post-pandemic era as you can as you can get yeah so I think the odds of them winning I, I think the odds of them winning are still high but i don't think they're the going to be i don't think they're going to be the best team in the nhl next year the way they kind yeah. of were the way they were ended up being this year and to a certain extent last year um i think colorado is going to be another year better and another year stronger i think um vegas barring anything doing anything completely crazy um they should be a little you know bit, they will they should be a little bit stronger and a little bit better on their own um there are other teams like there are some teams that didn't make the playoffs this year that theoretically are going yeah. to be much better the next time around like i mean the fact like hey dallas didn't make the playoffs this year and they don't and don't kid yourself like miro heiskanen's only gonna get better from there like yeah. Uh, Jason Gurianoff, Robertson's going to get better. Jason Robertson. Like, yeah, they didn't make the postseason this year just because of how stacked their division was. And they um, started well, with they, a giant COVID outbreak too. Right. Like, that like a lot. Of, I think, I think a lot that was kind of floated under the radar is like they had their season delayed by like three weeks because everyone on the team got infected with COVID right. and they were not the same. They had, what was it? They, they came out with like a few wins. They did the Canucks thing. They came out, they won like a few games and then, um, they're the governor of Texas or whatever said, we're going to always stand for the anthem in Texas. We're not going to be doing any kind of uh, peaceful protests. And then after that moment, <laughs> they lost like every single game. Yeah. Whoops. That shit was uh, amazing. That was pretty funny. Um, yeah. There are a lot of teams that in theory are going to get better. Yeah. There are some, sure. Some teams are going to fall back, but I think there are a lot more teams that are just about to start hitting kind of back into their potential and their peak. Yeah, um, New York Rangers like, for another example. New York Rangers are going to get, yeah, New York Rangers pro- are probably going to get better. They have yeah. had a bit of a weird off season, so that could yeah. change uh, depending on what they do. I mean, um, and I mean, hell, Florida, I think is only going to get better from here. Uh, and Florida was arguably the team that gave them, uh, I guess the Islanders, I guess gave them a bit Islanders of a probably, challenge. But more, yeah. the Panthers, like literally if they had just played Spencer Knight, through the, the from game one they probably win that first series like they How might much? they might win that or at the very least it's a lot closer than it ended up being and the again they're getting they're improving they're improving quickly that team how much do you think the florida panthers management team is like begging bobrovsky to waive his no trade clause to go to seattle <laughs> oh i don't even know that's a i mean I don't think they can even ask. I, I feel like they'd be too well. 
I guess it wasn't their signing. Like it wasn't Bill Zito's signing. So maybe he wouldn't care. Um, yeah. Ownership might be like, well, yeah, we don't want to. Yeah, we can't admit take an L on this. Uh, you're, you're gonna have, <laughs> he's going to have to tough it out here. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on how much uh, Bobrovsky really wants to play and wants to get back to his level because it doesn't seem like he's getting there where he is, no. um, which is which is in contrast to the guys they've brought in who have done well, like Drieger yes. and, and Spencer Knight obviously being the big one. So, And then they have, I think, another guy. I think they have another guy who's not even there yet who they just drafted pretty recently who's also supposed to be very, very good. Um, who... Um, in their goaltending uh, background, I believe it is, if I remember correctly, it is, um, no, uh, I guess it doesn't show, but I, I'm almost certain there's another guy coming for them too, who isn't even there yet. So yeah, maybe, um, I guess we'll get into, we'll, we'll get into Tarasenko now because honestly, like that's the next big thing is the fact that Tarasenko's up. And I guess this leads us into our, into our usual, uh, as we go transition into the Canucks talk into the Canuck verse, uh conversation uh because we had multiple people asking us about Tarasenko. uh ryan at hockey hugs 10 asked okay so Tarasenko to vancouver what you got <laughs> and then uh jeremy Barry, great reference uh at her der der funk i think her der funk or air air dr funk i believe yeah it's something like that yeah, would Nate Schmidt for Tarasenko at least get a conversation started with the Blues? That's actually kind of an uh, like I on the surf like um, my immediate instinct says no. Yeah, but maybe like it's, it's not it's not the it's not the wildest thing I've ever heard. Like it's not on, the craziest. Suggestion. On any other team, I would be like, yeah, I mean, a second pair, you know, defenseman should get the conversation started for a seven and a half million dollar winger. But the blues defense is pretty locked in for the most part. Like their only def defenseman they have to resign this next year is Vince Dunn. And he's going to, I think, one. It, I think he's one. a big one with like an RFA deal or something. I mean, they'll lose one of them, to the expansion draft or whatever, but like, Oh, that I, is going to be, that I is feel like possibly... if it's, if it's for that, like from their sake, they don't really have anyone to lose out of their forwards. Like, I feel like they're probably going to go with the scheme where it's like you protect eight skaters instead of seven forwards, three D one goalie. I think they're going to do the eight, like eight skaters of any position because realistically, like their forward group is mostly aged out except for O'Reilly and now Tarasenko wants out. So like what, who do they really have to protect at this point? Um, I mean, so it, I'm sure like it would probably get the conversation started, right? Because St. Louis would be like, oh, yeah, I mean, hey, that saves us money, but you need to cough up way more because this is clearly a first, second line scoring winger, regardless of injury issues. So you need to add a bunch more to make this even worth our while. Oh, all right, guys. We will take Jordan Bennington off your hands. <laughs> no, that would start a war. So, I don't want that. I don't want that anyway. Like literally. Oh my god, he would. I, he would not like. He would not like. Isn't he getting with that paid Shadepto. six million dollars starting next year? Yes, he is. He's getting paid Ugh. six million dollars for the next six years. Uh, he's uh, no thing. That's a. I was. I. I'll take Billy Huso. I'm interested in him. He's only seven hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, he's pretty good. Um. 
The one thing I'm looking at, just looking at their cap friendly, I guess we should kind of just so I we didn't fully get into why he's leaving um, St. Louis. I guess I'll go into that because uh, what Jeremy Rutherford, yeah, you mentioned at the top uh, from the athletic posting why he wants a trade. Basically, mm-hmm. according so this is this is a direct quote from this article, which you should go check out. Uh, according to sources familiar with the situation, he is upset with the team's handling of his shoulder surgeries in 2018 and 2019, his first two of three such surgeries, which were both performed by Blues physicians, and feels there's no trust left between him and the organization. In March, the Athletic wrote about those procedures and a third one in 2020, which was carried out by non-club doctors at the Stedman Clinic in Edwards, Colorado. The ligament damage from the first injury was not corrected in either of the first two operations. Again, reminder for those which were those two being done by the Blues doctors, yeah. sources say, and wasn't caught until Tarasenko was seen by the doctors at Stedman. Furthermore, sources say that Tarasenko complained about discomfort in his shoulder before rejoining the Blues for the playoffs in the Edmonton bubble in 2020, and that he believes the club waited too long before doing additional testing. Um, <laughs> yikes. Yeah, that's, um, that's a huge yikes. Uh, the fact that he had, that they performed two surgeries on him in house that did not actually fix the thing. Well, maybe they fixed one thing, but they didn't fix the whole thing. They fixed like, they might've at most fixed like half of it. Sure. Like huge problem, huge yeah. problem. Um, there it's just, it's, yeah, there's clearly he, that's a, irreparable situation where you no longer, again, we talked about it with Eichel because that's kind of where they're at Buffalo. The Eichel and the Buffalo situation is the kind of the same thing, albeit for a different injury, where if you can't trust the doctors on the team and the people in charge to do right by you and to keep you safe, like, Mm -hmm. and to put your safety at first, you can't play for them. Like, it's, it's bottom line, like, I don't, I expect, I would not expect, I would expect anyone in that situation to do the same thing where they're like, yeah, I I'm never playing here again. You can, you can repair trust between say coaches uh, and you yourself in regular, just coaching staff. You can repair trust between players and other players. You can't repair it between the people who are in charge of making sure that you are healthy and safe and yeah. put, making sure you can live your best possible life. You can, once that trust is gone, it is gone. Like that's never coming back unless you fire yeah. somebody. Um, and it looks like they don't plan on going that way. So uh, Tarasenko is probably on the market. I think the one thing, and the one thing that I think if we're talking about Nate Schmidt, if that is say the situation that would get him to Tarasenko to Vancouver, which I personally would be okay with, like, uh, like obviously the money is a question because of how much cap space they need for Pedersen and Hughes. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even Tarasenko at, you know, you, you mentioned you're worried about the shoulder surgery injury. Yeah. You're worried about his long-term health. Um, if, if, if it's been fixed, if it's been fixed, there is no, like Tarasenko would immediately be one of the best players on the Canucks right now. Like, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And even in a depth role, he would be a huge improvement on a lot of the guys they have. It's really just a matter of, can they afford it? To which point right now, the answer is obviously no. So you have to you and there it's a it's a hefty contract to pull out, especially because of the injury stuff. The one thing that they have going for them, if they want to get it done for maybe at a cheaper cost, is as far as I can tell, when it comes to the Seattle expansion draft coming up, yeah, the blues 
already have three guys currently on their defense with no tr- with no move clauses. So which are or no trade clauses. Right. So, which are Justin Folk, Tori Krug, and Marco Scandella. Um, I don't know how that affects say how that fully affects their situation going into the expansion draft. Maybe you can look that up while I'm talking about it. But right now, but should those be locked in for the expansion draft? Like they have to protect those three. That means they're probably that means that Colton Pareko is exposed for them. And that's a huge loss. That's a yeah. huge loss for them. So if the, and if that's the case, they could they would be probably very interested in a Nate Schmidt coming in if they end up losing a Pareko at the expansion draft. Um you might you might consider you might be able to talk to them based on that fact of look, you know you're going to lose a pretty darn good defenseman here to Seattle. We have we don't we have defensemen who we are not, you know, as necessarily need to keep as worried about protecting. So yeah. here you if you want to say or say they want to keep Pareko uh, later on, like you can maybe say, we're going to give you, I don't know, we'll give you Schmidt for one of your lesser guys for one of your lesser defense for Tarasenko. And then I don't know, someone else like that might be a talking point that they're worth discussing after the expansion draft happens. If yeah. that is kind of how their system is set up. If, if Pareko, if they found a way to protect all four, then that, that point kind of goes out the window. But I think right now, the fact that you're about to lose a top four defenseman for I would imagine, like looking at their forwards, I don't see a lot of four. I see less forwards they'd be worried about parting with than I do defensemen for them. Yeah, that's um, what I was trying to say. Like the the obvious solution would just be protect eight skaters alone because I th- I don't think you need to protect anyone if their no move clause has any teams like exceptions to it. Like so. Like Alex Edler on the back end of his, his deal has like a no move clause, but it's like he can list 16 teams. If you have a list of teams, technically you don't have to protect them. Like John Tavares has a zero team, no move clause with the Maple Leafs. So he has to automatically be protected by the Leafs in the expansion draft. Uh, same thing with um, like Kucherov, Stamkos, uh, I think Victor Hedman as well has the same thing. So it's like, if you're St. Louis, you have all these guys that have no move clauses, but because they have the exceptions to a, a list of teams, like they're not obligated to protect them because they are allowed to negotiate uh, like an exception to trade out to Seattle. So I think they would probably just be like, we're going to protect like fall Krug, Pareko and, you know, Vince Dunn. And then, expose scandela and bortuzzo or whoever right and then you know four of their their most prized forwards like robert thomas obviously number one uh ryan o'reilly like that's a guarantee yeah Braden shen i guess oh uh, he's a little older i think that's what i mean like when i was saying earlier like their their core is kind of aging out yeah because they're because they're aging out like they're all like yeah. pushing into their thirties. Yeah, that's why everyone was like, "Ooh, this is bad for hockey because it's gonna reemphasize size, age, and grit." And it's like, "Oh God, hopefully yeah. the Canucks don't." Isn't that's not their takeaway? Is they just get big old dudes and hope for the best? So I think they'll probably go with the eight skaters and they'll probably be fine. But like, I mean, if they 
maybe they're like, yeah, we value Robert Bortuzzo more than Vince Dunn. Let's try and move him so that yep. we can get something in return for him. Then maybe the Canucks look at doing like a multi person flip. Like we get, we go for Dunn and Tarasenko and we flip them uh, Schmidt it'll and cost, something very, very valuable. It'll probably cost you prospects, which is yeah. uh, something they're not like deep basic, with. Yeah, it would probably, I, I mean, geez, I don't even know like prospects where they'd start there. Cause I mean, obviously yeah. Pud calls in as a non-starter. You're not giving him away. Um, yeah. You're not giving like, if, I mean, for Tarasenko, I mean, this is the hard part because if Tara, like if Tarasenko was like 100% healthy and this was just a, he doesn't want to play in St. Louis thing. Yeah. They would very easily be able to be like, uh, you're going to give us like Nils Hoaglander for him. Yeah. Uh, at, at least. Right. Um, but here it's kind of tougher. You can prop. I mean, at least for them, the, the Canucks could maybe get a better deal. Um, at the end of the day, I do think, yeah, it's probably going to cost, like, it's not, Colind is not going to be in that involved in this. It's going to be somebody a little bit higher profile. It's probably, like, ugh, just looking over, it might even be someone we don't have yet in the system. It might be somebody they're about to draft. Um, yeah, I, I I, don't know. Because, again, there are not a lot of high profile guys. Like, like I don't, um, I feel like Canucks fans do this all the time. They overvalue and overrate their prospects. Like, you see, every, you see Jet every, Wu. Every like, team named does all that. The time. That's not just a, I, I think that's Canucks a, fans, a, especially, that's... are very bad at it, though. Like, you still have people today being like, Jonah Gadjevich and a third is going to get you uh, Jack, Jack Eichel. This is like, eh, no. See, that's, see, that's the real all. question. Are we about to see another. Uh, Another Blues Sabres blockbuster where it's Eichel for Tarasenko. It's like, so they don't trust our doctors, but they might trust yours, and they just flip the two. (laughs) They just flip the two. I mean, that would blow up social media for the day. It would be very funny. It would be very fun. Um, I I guess in reality, I think it's not – I I don't – I think you and I are both in agreement that – Tarasenko is a long shot. Like it would be great. It would be fantastic if you brought him in. It would instantly make you a lot, lot better. I'm Um, actually not even of that mindset. Actually, I mean, if you look at at the Pacific Division, like it's not that. That's the thing. If you look at the Pacific Division, it is not that hard to be better than some of the teams in that group. I honestly, I think it's a lot harder than people give it credit for. Like, Uh, I I really don't think. I don't think. Tarasenko is a player that makes the Canucks so much better that they're a guaranteed yeah. playoff team. He, it's and not they're a guarantee. Not, they're not it, but the thing is, they're just like you look at their decor. You look at the Canucks defense, right? Mm-hmm. Say say they trade Schmidt, right? And some prospect oh, or yeah. pick or some combination is, uh, of whatever goes out. If you get Tarasenko back, that's great, Tarasenko's but your defense back. is now depleted. And now you gone. have less money to actually rebuild your defense. So yeah, which for is my your money most glaring worth, issue. The, the money you've now allocated to Tarasenko isn't going to your defense. So you're not a nope. playoff contender. You're not in a competitive window. So all you've done is just add someone who's fun. You've, you've, amp- you've, uh, okay, but fun is fun. Fun is fun. <laughs> just fun to be devil's advocate here. Like, or get the playoffs. Just to be devil's advocate, though, um, would the Canucks not be better off as the way that they're, as, 
based on the roster they have in they have currently, would they yeah. not be better off just going fuck defense? We're just going to be juggernaut all, all fun all in the offensive zone, all offense, all the oops, all offense. Like that would that not honestly well, be a better a better strategy for them to take than this? We're gonna be we're gonna be high scoring, but also like we're gonna spend most of the time in the defensive zone. Like, sure. Like we're yeah. gonna never. We're gonna be an offensive juggernaut that never has the puck, so <laughs> which is what they're now. Yeah. What you're suggesting is they turn into this year's Ottawa Senators because Ottawa Senators had terrible bit, yeah. defense, but they were fun because of their offense. With and with with I mean with less injured goaltending, they might have made the playoffs. Like, let's not yeah. forget that if their goaltending if they did had not choose so Matt Murray, and then had literally uh, every goaltender behind him get hurt at some point or yeah. another to the point where they almost had to play Artem Anisimov in that. I mean, it uh, sucks too that they they had Joey Decord show up and like he actually looked pretty legit, and then they got hurt. Yeah, then he got hurt. Yep, that's that's what that's happened. That's the way it that's goes. What, yeah, like I I on like again I said all the time that I think the Canucks should be playing a much more fun brand of hockey than they are based on the way that what they're good at. Uh, but they have a group that they have a, a management team that does not want them to play that way. And so I think in a way they're almost stifling their creativity well, a little bit. Um, but they, you are they right. It, it would that, be devastating to that blue line and that blue line is not looking good. Uh, yeah, so the thing, at the end like, of the day, you're probably true. It's well, probably I think we're, I think we were saying this in the last episode when we were talking about Schmidt, we're like, if you take out Schmidt, you have one legitimate NHL defenseman and then and Tyler it. Myers, who the Canucks brass think is a legitimate NHL defenseman, but you have, not an you actual might, defenseman. And you might have Travis Hamanick, who is a good NHL third liner. Like he's a, a third pairing, Like he's yeah. a good depth guy, but on that's a it. good team. He is your uh, depth defenseman. He is your he, Andy green on a good team. Yes, exactly. He is the he is the last piece to your cup championship. He's a Luke yeah. Shen. He's a Luke Shen type yeah. guy, but he's not going to move the needle for you in terms of the postseason. Um, no. And again, I but again, I will mention remind you that okay, Anaheim was terrible. <laughs> San Jose was is completely rebuilding. Like both those yes. teams are blowing it up. Um, the Kings are not there yet. They're getting better, but they're not there yet. Arvidsson helps expan- expansion Seattle. Yeah. And that's it. and then it's the Knights, it's the Flames who are not that good, it's the Oilers who only have two scores, and then the Canucks. That's it. There's it's it's really not that hard. It might it is going to be easier I, for them to make the playoffs in this in the Pacific than it was in the Canadian would have been in the than it was in the Canadian. Like I I clearly. view it like it's clearly it's going to be a clear cut Vegas number one. Yes, and then that's sold Edmonton. Sona. Edmonton is a very will always be a great regular season team so long as they have Connor McDavid and okay goaltending. If they even sign like a league average okay starter, they're going to be a fine regular season team and probably finish second or third in the division. I think Calgary underachieves super hard. There's something really fucking wrong with that locker room, and that's why they sucked. But see, I think they're I think the they're as good chunk, as they see. I think they're as good as they as they project to be i think they're i don't think they're as good as people think they are i, I think, think they can completely overrated they can probably flip goudreau and make a lot out of that personally. oh that oh for a hundred percent goudreau yeah. has way higher stock than he yeah, should because there are there's been rumors for years now that he wants out right if they flip them they're good and, Mon- come and monahan's probably gotta go like yeah yeah like they gotta do something to shake up the core but just like 
it's kind of like how this year we when we did our season predictions, we're like, okay, Toronto's going to be number one. Habs are probably going to be number two, and then it's you a know, crap the rest shoot is a crap shoot. For this next season, I think it's going to be. I think Seattle's going to be a good team out of the gate, the get go, because they'll be okay. The, the cap situations of most teams means that really good players are going to be exposed, like just because of the way that teams are kind of hampering themselves. Yeah, and then that middle chunk though, where you have Seattle, Calgary, Vancouver, and maybe LA that four chunk who are going to be battling for third and fourth in the division. That's where you're like, I mean, being better than Ottawa and two other teams is a pretty easy thing to do if you're the Canucks this past season, but they couldn't do it. Asking them to be better than three other teams who are on track to improve by next year and aren't nearly as cap strapped as the Canucks is a big ask. I just keep looking at the Canucks defense. It, yeah. it can't get better than it was this year. And this year it was horrible. Mm-hmm. They don't have the money. That's the issue. And so like when you hear that Nate Schmidt might want out because he just didn't like, it wasn't a good fit. And that's it, true. You can't have him playing shutdown minutes with Edler. And what are the two rumors coming out of the Canucks right now? They want to re-sign Edler and try to make it work with Schmidt. It's a yeah. recipe for disaster where you're yeah. just, spinning the wheels which you're i mean you're, that's a that's a topic yeah. for another episode where it's like i mean we technically in, in already theory, have this conversation they should show. and yeah and, and in theory the canucks should be spinning their wheels this year and just bringing back the same thing at a like no long-term deals and just kind of call next season a wash because they need to clear their books for when besser needs his extension when horvat needs an, an extension you need the cap space and so you honestly, don't run into a situation where Horvat sees a bunch of UFAs walk and Horvat's like, I'm going to pull a Tarasenko now and be like, fuck this. I'm yeah. not sticking around for another rebuild. I'm done losing. And frankly, you might get even like a slightly bit better because you're going to have Elias Pettersson back and probably not playing on just the worst luck in yeah. of his entire career. Hitting the most every single... in the NHL. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you might just improve on that alone. You might yeah. win like two or three more games based on that, just yeah. doing that yeah. um, and, and rather than trying to spend big bucks to try yeah. and get back into playoff contention. Well, speaking, um, of, speaking of spending big bucks, this is the other – Rumor the that other came out. Canucks, the other Canucks segment. The other player that they still have their eyes on, even though the last time they had their eyes on him, it pissed off the entire locker room and it blew up their offseason. Yeah, completely cost them much better <sighs> players. Oliver uh, Larson again. Back in back in their crosshairs, which is I mean, huh, we just spent the last 25 minutes basically going in about how they don't have cap space to really improve. They need to be really efficient with their money to try and at least like maintain what it was last year, which was not great, but at least they weren't committing to the next, you know, 10 years with awful, awful contracts. Oliver Ekman Larson turns 30 in 10 days and all defensive metrics show that he is on a sharp decline in Arizona. He's on, on a, a sharp $8 million was on eight entering 5? year three entering year oh. three of an eight year contract where he is making 8.25 million dollars excuse me oh. per season um yeah no i'm just gonna and 
you know what else? He's a left defenseman. You already yeah, have left defenseman. Help. Don't get it. You do not need another one. Yeah. Like, I, this is, I, 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 I long I'm for the really, days of Oscar I'm, Fantenberg. <laughs> I'm, yeah, yes, yes, please. I will take Oscar Fantenberg right now if it yeah. prevents me from having to talk about Oliver Ekman Larson again. <laughs> I almost didn't, like, I almost didn't want to even give this, this piece of, this piece of information from, Irfan Gafar, I think he said it on 6.50 this morning. Yeah. I didn't even want to necessarily give it the time of day because I don't want to believe it's real. And I don't <laughs> want to I don't want to yeah, talk it into fair. existence because this is the dumbest possible thing you could be thinking right now if you're management. Like really in what universe, in what universe, like again, like Jim Benning made already what was a very silly quote about how. We need to get better at like we need to get what was it bigger, bigger and like bigger, bigger and stronger and better defensively, guys, better defensively and I think and he said something about scoring. less yeah more depth scoring like puck carriers or something and, about and puck carriers. Like said we have enough. We, puck said we have Schmidt. We have Schmidt. We have Hughes and we have Rathbone. So we're good on puck moving defensemen. We puck need to get defensemen. bigger, stronger, and, and, you more, need more and better at preventing defensemen. scoring chances. And it's just like. In what universe uh, does Oliver Ekman Larson fit that bill? I, I'm going to tell you right now, it's none of them. He is not that. That is not what his skill is. This is just Tyler Myers again. This is just this is just Swedish Tyler Myers because he's tall. He's tall. He likes to put the puck in the net, but because he's tall, that means he's good at defense. He's a good defense, defensive defenseman because he's tall. That's all they're looking at. It's the dumbest possible thing would yeah. be for them to go out and try and sign this guy. I don't care if it's if if the Coyotes came up to the Canucks tomorrow and said, "We will give you Oliver Ekman Larson for 50% retained salary for a 7th round pick." I'm like, "Yeah, no. Get that yeah, out of I'm here." All good, man. Absolutely not because yeah. he doesn't fit he fits absolutely nothing you need. And he's declining. And he's on yeah. a decline. Like, there was no reason, absolutely zero, that they should, that they need Oliver Ekman Larson on this team for any reason. I don't even want to think about this. Like, I don't even know why we have, I don't, I don't know Let's, why they're doing this again. There's uh, no reason. There's no reason to do this. Like, the last time, they didn't even have Nate Schmidt when they were having this conversation. Now they have him. And you want to add OEL to that mix again? Like, no, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to walk to Vancouver. I'm going to walk all the way to Vancouver from here. If this becomes a bigger thing, I'm going to walk all the way to Vancouver. I'm going to, I'm going to walk up to the arena. I'm going to knock on the door and I'm just going to say no to the first person who opens it. No. And they will know what I'm talking about. They will know what that is, what that mean, what the meaning behind that no is. Okay. And I no I was thinking about this. No El. That's the that's no the hashtag. El, yeah, more, it, yeah. No, no liver Ekman Larson. <laughs> I tried to. So, hard. so I was thinking about this earlier, right? So the Canucks, they. I was thinking about this earlier, and I had to double check, and I just did. The Canucks didn't re-sign Chris Tanev because they were afraid of what they were going to have to pay him, right? And they the, the flame yeah. they, they were worried about the decline they signed the the flame signed him to a four-year 20 million dollar contract 4.5 million cap hit and that turned out way better than any of us expected and like, you know even what to he played the, he was like one of their 
best players and yeah. honestly like all defensive metrics show that Tanev was like one of the best players in the league for which defensive is, results which is which unsurprising is, that's been his which career. is unsurprising but also because it seemed like it was getting it was gonna get it was starting to, to weigh on him yeah, a little bit the concern Vancouver. was there like, like sure. and I, I and even still to this day i don't i don't hate the logic behind not signing him it completely it didn't work it it, it ended up back this is what i'm getting to but I don't hate the logic behind that necessarily. Yeah. I understand the logic, but what I don't understand is they were then offered a player at a much higher cap hit for longer in Nate Schmidt, who is one year younger. And they hoped one year. one year. That's it. That's it. And they were like, yeah, sure. This is this is much better than not upsetting the locker room status quo the established chemistry between Tanev and Hughes. We're going to piss off our young star right away. We didn't even get into this. I just remembered this is part of the news thing. Um, someone had said that uh, Quinn Hughes is looking for a contract that will take him immediately to UFA, which either means he doesn't have faith in the management group to not screw it up, or he's just looking to cash out as much as possible. But, Either way, if he's looking for his next contract to take him right to UFA, that means that is bad for the Canucks. Yep. Very yeah, bad. You, you cannot let that happen under any circumstance. There's yeah. no reason to let that happen. Yeah. You have to you have to hold the feet to the fire on that one and refuse yeah. to give that give that up. You have to you have to keep it under four, uh four yeah. lower. Um it's and as We've said, as I, I, I have said this so many times on Twitter, and again, I don't want to keep bringing it up. This is why we're getting the Toffoli jar uh, when we go in studio. <laughs> we're going to have the Toffoli jar on set, on the set that I'm working on and design and thinking about. Um, um, if the Canucks manage their cap better, you can have Schmidt. You can have you can have Schmidt. You can have Tanov. You can have every. You can have Stetcher. You can have everybody. You can have if you just all. manage your cap better, you can have them all. And not even have to worry about it. Like instead it wouldn't be a question of who over who. Like instead you of prioritizing have to be like, veterans and depth and size, and like that. This is the scary. I mean, I don't want to get into circles because we always talk yeah. about this shit. But in the yes, post we've, we've the postseason availability, when he's like, uh, "We want better veterans who can score," and like your jaw drops because you're like, "Oh my god, this management group has learned absolutely nothing." <laughs> On one hand, sure, like everybody, yeah. but but you and but you and everybody else wants that. Who are you actually going to be thinking about getting? Is the real question. Do you just mean Jay Beagle too, or do you mean like actually, or do you mean actually going out to find a hidden gem? Do you find the hidden gems here? That's not really their mo. It's, it's signing. You know what? It's Blake Coleman. They're going to go out and give Blake Coleman way too much money. Blake um, Coleman only makes one point nine million dollars. Oh, that he's is going to get a criminal, criminal. And as he's going to get a huge raise, and deservedly so. But yeah, like, but, it's going to be more. But, but the Canucks gonna, are the kind no, of team no. that would, yeah, the Canucks are the kind of team that would think that that's going to make a huge difference for them, yeah. even though it isn't, because that's not what he's. He's not a. He he's a complimentary, a great complimentary piece for a big for an already good team. He is not a, I'm going to completely revolutionize your entire yeah. bottom six guy. That's just not how it works. 
as Thomas Strands puts it all the time on the VanCast, you want to find your Blake Coleman's before they are on the UFA Blake Coleman contract. You need to get those players before they get paid instead yes. of being the ones who pay. pay. Yes, uh, it is the Mark Donk, Buzz Flippin situation. Find the, yes. find the random obscure guys every time that take you over the top. Yeah. Find your Ross Colton. Yes. Guy literally scored a cup-winning goal today. Yes, Find he literally won, he won Tampa a cup today, and he's like a fourth-round pick from 2016 who ground grinded his way through the NCAA and then the AHL to be where he is at today. That's yes. what the Canucks need to do. They don't need to be overpaying Blake Coleman, Oliver yeah. ekman Larsman, <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko. They can't mm-hmm. afford any of them. No. Um, on that note, uh, this is probably That's- a good time to wrap it up. Thank yeah, you. We've been at this for quite a while. Um, yeah, it's, and it's you, like you, 48 degrees inside. You know the where the, but right you know now. what? You know where the best way, to, you know, the best place to find those, uh, those, those draft picks are Cody. It's in the draft, which is coming up. Like oh. the, the, the best place to find your Ross Colton is in the draft, which is coming up. And um, even though this is the end of the, the hockey and the actual hockey going on, we've still got, I believe, I believe nine more episodes before we call it a season before the season, our official season ends for the year. Yeah. Um, July is very yeah. busy with the off season shenanigans, which yeah. will be exciting, which will be fun. We have, we will have lots of, we'll have both lots to talk about, but also a few episodes where we're going to probably have to go find some people to bring in yeah. to chat with us. Uh, I'll have to, to rely on some of my contacts in the hockey writing world. Ask Roxy fever to do a favor, see what the, I'm- Cody, I'm the, already uh, on the show. You can't just you can't just text me. That, that that's I don't think you can do true. that. You got to find someone new. Uh, what, what's the NH? What's the Chell team you're part of? The uh, the Vladimir Croutons. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah. I, <laughs> you need to I, call in some favors from the Croutons uh, uh, to get I, them on the show. I, I haven't played with them in a while because I'm not near my PS4. But uh, oh my goodness. maybe. But uh, that, so the, but yeah, we, I'm, I'm I I have demanded a trade now. <laughs> um um but yeah this so yeah there's still lots of hot lots of crease cast still to go uh before we go on our summer vacation so uh yeah um yeah cheers everybody um thanks for listening as always you can find us on apple spotify I don't know. When I'm, I'm reading this, the banner here, YouTube, Anchor, Google Podcast, TuneIn, <laughs> Amazon, Stitcher, Overcast, Podcast Addict, Pocket Cast. I've never heard there of that one. There's probably more in there that there's I There's probably missed. more. I might, I know I might narrow it down. but There's like, a bunch of radio platforms that also have access to podcasts that I've never heard of before, but anyway. Yeah, and I'm us. working on a couple more. I'm working on a couple secret ones that uh, might be out guy. for next season. Yeah, Ryan maybe. Yeah, leave us a review. We appreciate those. Give us five stars. Give us six if you can. That's cool too. Um, and also give us five dollars a month for bonus content, which we're. Oh yeah, we have a Patreon. Yeah, that in Patreon. theory we should be working on. Um, <laughs> I have a, Speak for yourself, buddy. I'm working on some stuff for it. How dare you? <laughs> it's true. You're, you're always working on it. Um, I I have a thing planned that is gonna make you laugh really hard in like a couple weeks if my buddy sticks to his promise but um oh i'm very uh, leave it at that what's going on it's very spicy it would be for the very patreon funny. this is for the patreon this okay. is for the patreon um okay okay then you should definitely subscribe five bucks yes a month. definitely it's, subscribe lachlan puts on a shit ton of great articles on there too they're always really good to read uh exclusive access there we appreciate the support too it uh goes towards buying uh lachlan all the uh cold brew that he can get and that's the only reason he survives in california right now i i I, (laughs) that makes it sound like i'm just like embezzling and taking it for like personal grocery (laughs) well that's what patreon money's basically for 
Uh, I, I I like to think we're safe. Well, I mean, we have it sitting. It's waiting to be used on like uh, on a new on like, on like <laughs> sh- sure. We're, uh, uh, on a quit on a podcast studio equipment. That's what it's hopefully going to go to. What a waste of money! Is this is why I haven't this given the them the password I've yet? Ever seen in my life. This is um, why I haven't given them the password yet. Uh, this is true. Uh, you guys can follow me at Cody Severson on Twitter or my website CombatsHarvest.com. I just dropped my. A absolute huge article massive monstrous it's article incredible. reviewing the entire utica comet season including all the canucks players and prospects that suited up for them all my thoughts and perspective and all that crap lachlan where can they find you and your work um you can find me on uh twitter instagram facebook and tiktok sometimes at luck in the crease and you can also find my writing at luck the um i do writing from time to time i should have a couple things coming out uh before the official before you know we before uh, the the season really officially ends, um, and uh, so yeah, keep on a lookout for that as well. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the support. We'll catch you on our next episode when we talk about buyout season, bitch. Buyout Later. Season. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>